just think we were prepared. You know, one thing my uh, my trainer, he told me, he said, what did he say? He just told us to be prepared. It's always doubt with us every year. And it's like, oh, well, the Saints can't do this because something or, you know, Drew's gone and it. Oh, I, I don't, I'm the wrong person to ask because I don't care. And I'm coming in every year thinking we're going to be the shit. What up? Welcome back to Black and Gold BS, the irreverent Saints podcast from Boot Crew Media, presented by Zapardo's Family Market and AGI Valves. For the first time ever, we get to do actual ad reads on the podcast. But I shall not bury the lead, Sean, for I am Jacob Krasno, here with my trusty co-host, Sean Haspel, giving you instant reaction to the Saints' 20-17 to win over the Panthers. We're 2-0, man. <laughs> it, it's, it hadn't been pretty, but we're 2-0. Uh, I'm a little drunk. Um, haven't eaten dinner. Had a couple beers, a couple shots at the Saints bar in L.A., but I'm feeling good because we're undefeated. How are you feeling, Sean? Undefeated, man. Um, it has been an ugly 2-0, but um, the Saints are 2-0 for the first time since 2013, which is kind of hard to believe with how successful they were in that like 2017, 18, 19, 20 run. And none of those teams started 2-0. Um, but uh, despite some of the ugliest offense we've seen, uh, well, I guess since last year, um, the Saints, yeah, have beaten uh, two pretty tough defenses. Um, and uh, our 2-0 and maintaining pace with the surprisingly also undefeated Falcons and Buccaneers. So maybe the NFC South isn't as poo-poo trash as we thought it was. Yeah. Um, it seems like the Bucks and the, uh, the Falcons are like pretty well coached. Um, neither one has really played someone we would consider to be a contender. In the NFC, I mean, we'll we'll find out how good the Packers are next week when the Saints play them. Um, but the Falcons beat them at home. Uh, this game, this Panthers game, kind of felt like a repeat of like it was kind of the same script. Uh, yeah, as last week, the Saints play incredible, like lockdown, shutdown defense. They got after Bryce Young all night long. They shut down the run. But that offense is really handicapped by some suspect offensive line play. Um, Derek Carr seems like he doesn't really have a whole lot of time to sit back there in the pocket. Does this concern you at all? Do you think yeah, there's some early season rust, or do we have a real problem? Um. Well... Uh, it's definitely the former, but it could also be the latter. So we'll see. Um, yeah, we gave up four sacks last week, four sacks again this week. Um, the majority in both games, the majority came in the first half, and then uh, the offensive line did settle down in the second half. But um, yeah, so, uh, some rough moments, a lot of dirty hands across the line. Uh, it really wasn't just like a pile on Trevor Penning. Um, moment that like was particularly bad. And I texted you guys, this was uh, 
Cesar Ruiz, like days after um, signing a new extension uh, to lock him up beyond this season for the Saints as their presumable starting right guard for the foreseeable future, gets absolutely bullied on a on a on a bull rush uh, from the Frankie Louvu, I think his name was uh, one of the uh, linebackers of the, of the of the Panthers who finished with like nine tackles and two sacks tonight. Um, just bullied Cesar Ruiz for uh, to help cause a sack um, in the in the first half, and like that just can't happen. So, oh man, um, yeah. But time will tell uh, whether a lot of these issues are fixable. Um, the offensive line seems to think they're fi- fixable. Trevor Penning said that he had a lot of confidence issues um, after his game last week, and uh, but it seems to be a lot better. Now, um, according to him, um, moving forward, but we'll see. Uh, those were probably two of the tougher D lines we'll play all year, but um, yeah, lots, lots of fix there for sure. Yeah, on paper, the Panthers seem like they're a team that we should absolutely steamroll. They don't have a lot of talent at receiver. They've got a rookie quarterback that I personally think was big time baby diaper doo doo trash uh, coming out of college. I didn't think he was very impressive at Bama. Um, like on paper, we should have absolutely murdered them. But there's some weird voodoo about us playing in Carolina. Like it's always a tough game. I kind of feel like it's the rivalry that nobody talks about. Yeah. But these two teams hate each other, and yeah. like. I I I always think about that that game in Carolina in 2011 when they uh, they had Cam Newton and Steve Smith and Smith had like an 80 yard touchdown pass and and Roman Harper just blew yeah. him up in the end zone when he was celebrating and the benches cleared and like there's like bad blood here and I, just we we don't play well there ever. I remember 2013 at Carolina. They had Cam Newton also, and the game that, that was, was the a game, game where it was like a torrential downpour, right? Torrential downpour, and we basically I think we lost the NFC South uh, because of the loss, or maybe we lost the first round by or something. I don't know, but um, it was a really tough game, and yeah, that they that is the one team in the South that we really have struggled with, even under in the Peyton era. Um, they've always had a number for whatever reason, and I mean, maybe best exemplified last year by them like sweeping us despite being like terrible and those two games just being like absolute weird nightmares. But um, yeah, so good to beat them for sure, especially on the road. Uh, but uh, yeah, Saints are 2-0, still have a lot to clean up. But I uh, would rather be um, studying film and trying to find fixes after two consecutive wins than uh, anything else. So yeah, we move. Yeah, it feels pretty good to be two and zero. I, uh, you know, maybe this is just the uh, the core's light talking, but <laughs> I, I think that if we clean up our offensive line play and, mm-hmm. and Carr gets into a bit of a rhythm, this this is a team that's going to have like thirteen to fifteen wins with this defense. Like I have yeah. no notes on on the, the defensive side of the ball. Um, I'm sure they'll be tested a little later in the season when we play quarterbacks like Jared Goff and, yeah. and Trevor Lawrence, but and and maybe Jordan Love. You know that's the, the first real test next week. Um, personally, I think 
Tannehill is probably still a better quarterback than Jordan Love is. Um, and we made Tannehill look like the backup on like an eighth grade flag football team. <laughs> but I think this is a, a team that is going to be a juggernaut if they just yeah. clean up the offense. It's, it's, we're there. Like this doesn't feel like last year's team that made a bunch of like dumb mistakes and lost games because of it. This feels like a sleeping giant. Yeah, um, I definitely agree. I mean, the defense has remained strong. Um, hopefully they keep up that good play. I mean, so there were some some people thought like they, they might fall off uh, just due to age and I don't know, whatever, uh, going into the season. But uh, they've they've kept up their strong play. The offense, um, they, they, they show a lot of promise. Like you said, we've got to get these protection issues fixed. Uh, that really is kind of the big key. Um, Derek Carr's made some some dumb throws that he'll, he'll he admits just he can't make uh, the last two games. But um, hopefully, he, as he settles into the system and gets more comfortable with the protection as the protection shores up, hopefully, uh, and gets better timing with with his pass catchers, just uh, with you know reps and time on task, that uh, we we get more of a sync there. But the the, the big plays are back for the first time and honestly even like gosh like before drew Brees got cooked it feels like we're, we're being more aggressive down the field and and uh pete carmichael he's not without flaw but he's um being a little more creative with some of the motions in offense and uh, i think we talked about it last week that uh, i mean using chris olave out of the backfield on some like texas routes ankle routes whatever you want to call them um to really kind of get favorable matchups there against linebackers and whatnot um that's a level of creativity we haven't seen from the offense in a little bit of time. So, um, and we get one of our better players back. Alvin Kamara uh, comes back after um, after uh, next game's uh, final game of his suspension. So, um, yeah, lots of potential in the offense for sure. Tonight we did something we thought was going to be like a staple of the offense, and it was the first time they'd done it. They put Taysom Hill in the backfield. Yeah. And they used him like a running back. Yeah. And guess what? Yeah. Guess what? I mean, it it fucking worked. Yeah. We need to do that more, um, especially if Jamal Williams is, if his hamstring exploded. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. That was concerning for sure. We're down to our fourth running back tonight. Um, and uh, credit to Tony Jones Jr. He, he struggled the last couple of years when when uh, we we'd lean, tried to lean on him, uh, as you know, from a pretty painful fantasy loss. But. Uh, <laughs> my mortal yeah, he really stepped enemy. up tonight yeah he um he, he stepped up tonight and, and grinded out a, a couple clutch um like goal line touchdowns and um so credit to them i think reports are that kendra miller will be back next week so that'll be big hopefully we can hold down the ford until alvin's back and um and yeah and then uh hopefully kendra's not out too long but uh yeah lots of promise on the offense for sure yeah, Foster Moreau had some big plays tonight after kind of not really doing anything last week against the Titans. For sure. And Mike Thomas For sure. is quietly like catching a lot of passes and just yeah. being like very reliable. All right. Yeah. Well, that's it for me drunkenly rambling with Sean. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Black and Gold BS will return with Allison and a more in-depth look. And you get the ball out with numbers advantage. Keep Prentice in for pass protection. Panthers rush five. Carr steps up and delivers downfield. 
Get a 50-50 oh. ball. What a catch by Olave. <laughs> Battling Von Bell all the way. Spectacular. It, it's unbelievable. Look, he's got his left arm. He's got his right arm. CJ's holding his right arm. He can't get two hands up. And just look at that. If you could zoom in on All his- right. Welcome back to Black and Gold BS. Jacob Krasno here alongside Allison Pratt now and uh, our producer Bryce, allegedly. Um, okay, Allison. It's now the day after the game. Saints beat the Panthers. We're 2-0. Life is good. But please tell me, to you, what was BS about this game? See, now that's some bullshit. BS I have about this game is really just my own personal frustration with how slow our starts are um, on offense. Um, You know, this is the second week in a row that we were making like very silly errors on offense um, for the first three quarters. And then there would be like flashes of really great offensive strides. And then that would be caught up by, you know, a really silly throw um, or a bad play call. Um, And I just think we would be, people would be talking about us as a 2-0 team to be worried about if we could just actually get going and play with some more urgency in the first three quarters on offense. That balance is like, I think our defense, what is not BS to me, is playing with a fire under their ass from the first down of every single play. And so if we had even half of that, on offense for the entire game, I think people would be talking about us in a very different light. I think nationally, there's a lot of chatter that, you know, we haven't beaten anybody important and right. we can't score. Um, and the fact of the matter is we don't have to score a lot, but we could definitely score a lot more if we score touchdowns in any quarter other than the fourth one. Right. Yeah. I, one thing that I think is BS and I, I agree with you, but I also sort of like, disagree in a way because we have been slow to start these these two games um on offense but our production at the end of the day is actually pretty decent the saints have a top 10 offense um we have a top 10 offense and a top five defense which as ugly as it looks i mean that's the dream right you know that's what super bowl contenders are made out of Um, and I think it's kind of BS that people are like hating on, uh, Derek Carr in the offense. You know, there's been some chatter that he hasn't played very well, but it's kind of hard to blame him when there's dudes in his face after every time he drops back, he's been sacked eight times in two games, which is very bad. Um, I don't even want to know what the stats would look like if he were to play 17 games averaging four sacks a game, because he'd probably, he'd he'd be dead. He would die on the field um, at that pace. But Carr is on pace to throw for 4,500 yards, um, which would probably put him in the top five passers at the end of the year. If he survives that long. Um, Yeah. I don't look, I, it's his first year in the system. He is the veteran leader of our offense when you think about like our playmakers and he he's doing the best he can. And I, I do think it, to some degree, it's understandable that it takes a little bit of time for him, particularly under as so much pressure, as you said, to get into the rhythm of the game. I guess what I actually think is BS is how much better we would even be 
if that had resolved itself yet. And we talked about this last week. Drew Brees took time in his first year in the system and right. he probably started to get in his groove like four, like week four or five. Like the third week of his first year was the Falcons like dome coming. And that was like a huge emotional thing and a big defensive heavy game anyway. Um, and then I feel like after that, him and Colston were flourishing and it was just like all up from there. And I think that we could see that happening with Derek Carr too. I don't, I don't blame him. I, I blame him for the really dumb throws he made, but there was probably only like three or four of them. It wasn't like he right. was doing that the entire game. What interesting thing. He was thing doing that because he was so flustered. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting, you know, you bring up the uh, the dome coming game in 2006. Uh, people probably don't remember that Breeze didn't throw a touchdown pass in that game. The two touchdowns were an end around to Devery Henderson, the very first Superdome special and the block punt. Yeah. So even breeze was, and we said this last week, even breeze in the early days was not the one, not the version of drew breeze. We came to know where he was throwing three touchdowns a game, 300 yards every week. Like we were spoiled also, by that. What, what excites me about Derek Carr is he has that same, like they showed the clip from last week of him, like calling the go to shoot, to Shahid, like being like, when I call this, you better go. Like he has some of those like audibles and he has that confidence and that fire. Um, and he can throw a deep ball, which, yeah, you know, we talked about being so excited about Jameis, but Jameis doesn't have any of the other factors needed. Like Derek Carr can do that for us. And if he can just balance it with more of the thoughtful, like underneath throws, which he did show a few times, like we did do an old fashioned MT like slant couple of times um like it's a it's good like i like i feel so much better about our team than what i've seen of the rest of the nfc south that i've that i've watched yeah what we're really trying to say is that Carr has some intangible abilities that we haven't seen in any of the post breeze quarterbacks so far uh, i'm willing to forgive the dumb interceptions because they've been pretty bad. Those were bad throws. They were ill-advised, but I'm willing to forgive those if he makes big plays in high leverage situations. And he's done that almost like it, the exact same situation two weeks in a row. And if he does that, then who cares if he throws a pick in the middle of the second quarter? Um, it's better to to win ugly and be an ugly two and O than to be like a pretty O and two. There was a tweet um like the I saw, yeah 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 there's a tweet uh by freaking about football um he said you know if you want to look good being owen two, you should just be a chargers fan <laughs> like i i wouldn't want to be in their shoes right now um no. so another thing that i thought was bs about this game uh is jamal williams uh you know i love my my fellow weeb but I got to say, uh, well, first of all, it, it, it's unfortunate that he hurt his hamstring last night. I mean, that's BS. Um, and I, I ended up being right about our running back depth. We weren't as deep as we thought. Kendra Miller has not made it on the field. Kamara's still suspended. And now Jamal is injured and probably won't be back for several weeks as he nurses his hamstring. Um, but even before he got injured, he was kind of glumping his way into the backsides of the offensive linemen. He didn't look 
very dynamic. He looked a little slow. Um, to use an anime reference, it's like he went Super Saiyan, but he went Super Saiyan 2 like Trunks did in the Cell Saga. And he was just too bulky and slow and just not ready for prime time. Um, so I'm worried about running back. I, I don't know who we're going to trot out there next week against the Packers. Yeah. It's probably going to be my mortal fantasy enemy, Tony Jones Jr. and Taysom Hill. And well, that combo did work yesterday. It did, yeah. And that's maybe that's a good segue into what was not BS about the game last night, uh, other than winning, which is always glorious. Uh, we ran the football pretty well. 134, 134 yards on the ground. Taysom was used the way we've been begging them to use him. Um, he actually lined up in the backfield as a running back on a couple plays. Yeah. And uh, what was that stat, Allison? We're 16 and 1. 16 when, and 1 when Taysom gets at least seven carries. Yeah. If you run the football like that, you're going to give yourself a chance to win every week. Um, and ostensibly, it should help out Carr keep the defense sure. on its heels. It has to keep the defense honest. Like, yeah. And it just helps. We, we used to be such an efficient play action team, and I feel like we don't set it up and lean on it anymore. And Derek Carr and the way that we run the ball, it's like great to do that with three, potentially three 1,000 yard receivers on our team, which is what is not BS to me, is how great all three Shahid, Thomas, and Olave are playing. And we sent around a few videos last night of like Michael Thomas, like being so jazzed up in the locker room and you saw him on the sideline, like pumping up Dennis Allen and like, I was a little bit worried about him. We talked about this in our preseason pod, like getting back to his diva ways. And he actually is striking me like the other way around. Like he just wants to be a playmaker when it makes sense. And he wants to fire this team up. And that fires me up. Cause I was worried he was gonna be, you know, not loving Olave kind of being wide receiver one. And he's going with the flow and doing what it takes to win. And I, and I love it. Yeah, we really, uh, one thing that I will toot my own horn about once again is that I, I so far have been right about my prediction that we have three potential three, uh, thousand yard receivers on the roster at the moment. Uh, Michael Thomas is on pace for about 980 yards. Shahid's on pace for 1,200. And Olave is on pace for 1,600, which would probably lead the league uh, when it's all said and done. Um, real quick, going back to the running game, uh, our imaginary producer Bryce has just reminded us that the Saints are 13-4 and four when Taysom Hill scores a rushing touchdown. So all the more reason to get him involved and get him involved early. Um, Big time. I used to win lots of money on at Taysom anytime touchdown score. <laughs> one, one thing that I, I loved about uh, just Michael Thomas's resurgence. And, and another thing that I think is not BS about the win is the, the swagger this team seems to have, and, and they've been, they've been backing it up. Um, and it, that, I, that makes it fun. You know, it was fun to see Sean Payton be petty, but like, it's just as fun to see this team talk a bunch of shit and then be able to actually walk the walk. And one of the things he, he was quoted in the locker room is saying, 
was that he told Tony Jones he's not in Denver anymore and that this team actually scores and moves the ball, which I thought was really funny. Also, <laughs> we would be remiss if we didn't uh, luxuriate in the stink of the Denver Broncos being 0-2. The Sean Payton-coached Denver Broncos uh, losing in epic fashion on Sunday. I, I, that's like the most – the way they lost is like one of the most Saints-esque things I've ever seen. 50-yard bomb from Russell Wilson with no time left, and they missed the two-point conversion because the wide receiver got tackled and they didn't call pass interference. I love it. He's still he's getting burned. It's going to follow him, hopefully, although we still get burned sometimes. Yes, uh, although last night was actually like a pretty well-officiated game, I thought. No, no notes on my end. Yeah. No notes. Yeah, the refs. The Except refs. that they, they didn't do a good job of explaining the penalty that unwound the strip sack mm. on the broadcast, unless I missed it. But it just felt like they undid it and didn't say why. They just said there was a penalty, and then we didn't have the ball. <laughs> well, maybe I'll uh, – I'll, I was about to say the refs – execution is going to get stayed for another week, but maybe I'll take that back. But yeah, only three penalties on the Saints last night. So relatively clean game. Yeah. Uh, what else was not BS about this, Allison? Um, the defense in total, which we've, we've talked about, but um, you know, they're a big part of the swagger you were mentioning um, and they go out there believing that they are the best defense in the NFL and they are certainly up there with the best of them. Um, particularly Lattimore, who has been, a, you know, an all pro um, for all the years that we've had him, he's only allowed 15 passing yards in both games combined. Um, I think he's, he's out there to, to make a statement again, not different from Michael Thomas, um, just like ready to like, have the year that makes the most impact for our team. And I think he's about to have, like, hopefully he doesn't get injured because that's really what's held him back the last couple of years. But um, I've been really impressed with him and I can't wait to see what he does. Yeah. One of the knocks against Lattimore has been that he sometimes doesn't show up for receivers that aren't Mike Evans or some, you know, top tier elite pass catcher. And, the uh, the Panthers do not have any top tier pass catchers. They've got hundred year old Adam Thielen, DJ Chark, who unfortunately my former LSU Tiger has not done a whole lot since his one good season with the Jaguars, and then some rookie named Mingo, um, and Lattimore shut him down. And historically, Thielen has absolutely torched Lattimore. Some of those games when he was with the Vikings, yeah. he out, he, he made Lattimore uh, look not very good, but they held him under control last night. Um, Lattimore, he's out there looking to get paid because this is a contract year for him, right? Am I right about I that? So. I don't know. Didn't they sign him? Uh, they signed him to a deal the same year as Michael Thomas, right? 
but I think his might have only been four years, in which case you're correct. But I, I don't remember. Well, either way, it's working out very well for the team. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay, he's signed through 2027. Oh, good. Yeah, look at you, Marshawn, just being a good corporate citizen. <laughs> okay. Player of the game. Who gets your game ball, Allison? For me, this is tough, but I'm going to go with Chris Olave. Um, I think he's really become the go-to guy when the team needs just a spark plug and a rejuvenation and a play to get them back in the game. And he's doing it in over the top fashion with one of the best catches I've ever seen. And I just, it feels really good to have multiple weapons where you feel like this guy can make something out of nothing. Um, and that was Michael Thomas for us. And I think it can still be both of them, but right now it's really Chris Olave. And he had to do this a bunch last year and he was, with a less good quarterback in Andy Dalton, like putting him in like crazy jump ball situations. And he would still make those catches. Um, and he's getting better balls in this way, but still making like outrageous plays that at really, really critical moments, like he's not, he's not cowering under the spotlight that's been nationally put on him. He's rising up to it, which I think we were all a little bit afraid of. So I got to give it to him. Um, he continues to be a playmaker, even when there's like pressure on him to be one. Yeah. Uh, that was the play of the game last night, his juggling one-handed catch. Um, it's giving the the Garrett Wilson Monday night football touchdown catch a run for its money as the play of the year so far. Um, as a sidebar, we, we haven't potted since Aaron Rodgers blew out his Achilles, and I have to say the discourse surrounding that injury is like the most insane bullshit I've ever heard in my life. I mean, the biggest bullshit is now that they're talking about him coming back. It's like he's not going to do a record setting Achilles rehabilitation to come back and then be the quarterback of a team that got to the Super Bowl without him in this like fake. It's just because it's news to everybody. Everybody wants to hear about it. And it's so annoying. Yeah. Especially like, in New York. It's all it's it's everywhere. I can't I can't. One of the most insane social media posts I've seen by like an actual legitimate NFL reporter was Adam Schefter saying on Instagram that the Aaron Rodgers injury is the most devastating injury in the history of football, which number one, uh, DeMar Hamlin died on the field last year <laughs> and was resuscitated. So somebody died. I don't think it gets worse than that. Um, people have been paralyzed uh, literally five days after he said that Nick Chubb had like the most horrific knee injury I've ever seen. So maybe, uh, think before you post next time, Shefty. Um, anyway, <laughs> yes, Olave worthy of a game ball, definitely the play of the game. I think my player of the game, I mean, it's, it's hard to, uh, pass up the defense. I mean, in real life, the defense got the game ball in the locker room. Um, but I would probably give mine to Taysom Hill because he got the offense going late in the game and was able to move the chains and burn the clock when we needed to. And I think if, 
if we hadn't gotten the running game going the way we did with Taysom and we threw a bunch of incomplete passes and allowed Carolina to use their timeouts, maybe they would have hung around in the game. But even though it was a three-point win, it was really an 11-point win because like, we gave up a touchdown for free at the end just to get the ball back to kill the clock. Um, it was a meaningless touchdown, but Carolina might have been in the game had we not been able to play clock management. I think Taysom is a huge part of that, um, and he showed how valuable he is. They finally used him the way we've been wanting him to be used, and it worked. Um, we can't we can't move on to our our preview of the Packers game without first discussing. Dennis Allen's facial hair. Go T watch week two. How was he looking, Allison? He's looking like he's not sure if it's going to stay. It's like dabbling and gray. I did feel less uncomfortable looking at him than I did when he was naked face, but I was nervous when I saw it, especially when we got off to our slow start. Um, but maybe if he keeps it tight, it's okay. <laughs> I think he had the facial hair last week, but it's just very, it's shaved very close. And there's. But he a, didn't have like a stash at all. That's what literally threw me off. Oh, interesting. Just the, the it, chin strap. But like, not even. He was like pretty exposed. <laughs> <laughs> but he had his goatee last night, and it was mostly gray and very small. So he's probably not sure what he's going to do. What he shouldn't do is pull a Drew Brees and get <laughs> goatee hair transplants that everybody knows are transplants <laughs> <laughs> to cover up his bald face. We need to find some pictures of Drew Brees' hair plugs because they were pretty bad. They were awful. And it was like right when he was going on national TV. Potentially you... why NBC <laughs> didn't renew their contract. <laughs> Wait, Allison, do you remember when this was in like 2007 or 2008 we were uh in a grocery store or something like buying beer and i don't even remember what part of the year it was but we there we found like a life-sized cardboard cutout of drew Brees in the produce section and like his his hair was like really long in the picture and it looked like he had hair plugs it was awful someone has a photo of that somewhere it was a pepsi ad or something I hope someone has that and can want listeners <laughs> who has this photo of us from Rouse's by the Superdome. <laughs> yeah, I bet that's what we were doing. We were it's in definitely that where it was. It must have been like the year of the Christmas Eve game or something. Oh, yeah. I bet, I bet that was it. Um, <laughs> I saw somebody pee in the sink at that Rouse. This is now the second week in a row I've. I've brought up somebody pissing in a sink at a Saints game, but I I walked in when when that Rouse was like recently renovated. I this might have even been the same trip yeah. to, to buy alcohol. I went into the bathroom and there was like some random. There was only one other person in there, and he was standing <laughs> on the counter peeing in the sink. <laughs> he was like, "I don't know what I'm doing." <laughs> God. Ah. <sighs> Well, and to sum up facial hair watch, it's growing back and hopefully he's not getting hair plugs. I 
I wonder if the length of his facial hair is proportional to the amount of points that we score. Because it was a little longer and we scored a little, a little bit more points, you know? That's true. Just a little bit more. That's true. We'll have to we'll have to see what he rocks next week. Maybe he's just gonna surprise us every week. <laughs> and this will become a really riveting segment. He should <laughs> like next week he's gonna have handlebars. <laughs> Look, there's a lot of hair and makeup people out of work right now because of the WGA and SAG strikes. So hire a, hire a local uh, makeup person yeah. and, and get them to, to paste a beard on your face. Yeah. That would be amazing if he came out on the sidelines in Green Bay with a Gandalf beard. Yeah, it's easy top. Just like, yeah, the world is his oyster, really. Um, yeah, we'll keep an eye on it because it's what the listeners want. Yeah. So speaking of Green Bay, they're one and one. Uh, they, <laughs> really the, the energy of the Falcons must have been absorbed by them while they were in Megatron's asshole last Sunday, lo losing to the Falcons, um, blowing a 12 point lead in the fourth quarter. Uh, I don't really know what to think about the Packers. Jordan Love is, he has six touchdowns through two games, which is kind of gouty, but he hasn't thrown for a lot of yards, and they're good, probably going to be missing Aaron Jones. So this is a, it's, it's a tough game to handicap. What do you think? I also feel like I don't know who they are because they beat a very bad Bears team that we now know is, is very bad. And that yes. game wasn't, it wasn't like a blowout by any means. Granted, they're divisional rivals, but still. And then to crumble like that against the Falcons, like Matt LaFleur is actually one of the best coaches in NFL history, which is shocking. And people can, you know, say that that's because he had Aaron Rodgers or whatever, but he has like a 75% winning percentage, which is like top four all time in the amount of games that he's coached. And so, to have him coach a game that like crumbles that way, like I don't even know what what to make of it outside of like some inexperience at certain roles, like Jordan Love not really being in that position before. Whereas like in his first game, they just were like doing whatever they wanted against a crappy Bears team. Um, so I don't know how to handicap like rookie-ish quarterback as in like first time starting, but like coach with success. Um, I don't think I'm glad we're going in September. I think the last time we played there, we beat them like 35 to three, which is crazy to think about. Um, the first year after we didn't have breeze. Um, yes, we, we destroyed them. That was the game that we had to play in Jacksonville because yeah. the hurricane. Displaced. Oh, it wasn't there. I knew it wasn't at home. Okay. So yeah. It was a home game so that we played in a while. Yeah. It's been, um, God, I don't remember the last time we went to Lambeau. Didn't you go? I have been to Lambeau Field once, and it was for an LSU game. It was for an LSU they, game, yeah. They played Wisconsin uh, in 2016, which was Les Miles' final year. Um, I think he got fired like two and a half weeks after that game. They lost to Wisconsin. Uh, it was just an ugly, ugly game. Um, Lambeau, All right, well, very well, overrated, yeah. Jordan Love... I think they, what they do have, the Packers, is a really good offensive line. Yeah. So I think that matchup for us is going to be the most important because 
without this game time experience, like if we can just get to him and pressure him, I think he will crumble, particularly if they're not able to set up a run game if Aaron Jones is out. Um, so I think it'll rest on on the defense, which the games kind of have already. Um, the Falcons ran all over them. Granted, like we don't have, you know, we don't have Kamara and, and Jamal Williams is going to be hurt, but we were able to run last week. And so hopefully we can continue um, to do that and then set up some passes deep on them um, and pressure love. But I, the line is probably Packers by minus two and a half. Like I feel like Vegas wouldn't even know what to, what to handicap this either. Yeah. Um, so. This is a game. I feel, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I feel good about our chances the same way. Bryce Young is a true rookie, sure. Um, but I feel like our team would salivate at the chance to just like get after a new quarterback um and bring and bring a lot of like interesting pressures and looks for them. Yeah. Um I think when you get like on paper, this seems like a game that the Saints would lose going on the road, playing against yeah. a quarterback that's done fairly well. But when you th- and has a good offensive line, he's only been sacked twice. So, but when you game it out, I think the Saints have uh, a pretty good chance to win this game. They, the Packers did not run the ball well with A.J. Dillon. Um, and their receivers are a bunch of second-year and rookie guys that, on paper, should get shut down by our secondary and I like, think Christian Watson is hurt. Christian Watson like is injured. One. Yep. He's like their supposed number one receiver. Hasn't seen the field yet this year with a hamstring injury or is it an ankle? I don't know. He's injured. Hasn't played the first two games. Romeo Dobbs, the number two, has also been playing injured. Like, I want to say this is the game that we lose early in the season, but the more I think about it, the more it seems like this is a game that we should, we should win. Um, And I think we will win if we do what we did last night and get Taysom Hill going, establish the run and keep their defense honest. Um, I'm calling it. This is, this is the shot I'll call now that this is the Taysom Hill revenge game. People forget he was originally signed by the Packers uh, and we plucked him off their practice squad so this is the game that Taysom gets to go into uh, into Lambo and run all over them, and they did let Taysom throw a couple times last night. So maybe this is when he uh, gets to throw a touchdown pass. That's my prediction. Not to get ahead of ourselves, but I'm gonna get ahead of ourselves because you're right. Like when I look at the schedule, like this should be a loss because otherwise it feels plausible that we would be like seven and oh yeah because then we host the bucks yep who we've always played tight doesn't matter who um is the quarterback patriots texans jaguars colts bears vikings yeah all those teams not looking great and then it's thanksgiving and we play the falcons like it just <laughs> Like we're gonna lose one of those games. <laughs> it's just like if it's not this one, 
something weird is going to happen. But anyways. Who knows, though? Maybe uh, maybe we do start the year like 8, 9, 10, no. But do you know what? We also said this in the preseason pod last year. Everyone was like, the Eagles' schedule is so easy. Like, they could be 11-0, and 0, and they were. Yeah. So it's like maybe you just have an easy schedule and you win your games. Like I said this last night with Sean. I'll say it again. If our offense finds some consistency and starts converting some of those field goal opportunities into touchdowns, then this is a sleeping giant. This is a juggernaut. Yeah. This is a team yeah. that wins by three touchdowns. Um, yeah. And unless we have some catastrophic injury, which I pray to the algorithm that we do not, then I think that is eventually going to happen. They're going to find a quick transitive property. We beat the Titans and held them to no touchdowns. They beat the Chargers, who almost beat the Dolphins, who everyone is saying is the best team in the NFL right now. Yeah. They're so one They're one to a concussion away from him being a vegetable. I know. It's the only reason they're not, like, favored to win the NFC. I feel like there's, like, a injury insurance on him. Yeah. But I think Transitive I think property. It's, it's undefeated. It's math. Yeah. It's facts. Yeah, it's just math. It's just, like, how we made it to the Super Bowl last year because we beat the Eagles. That's right. Super Bowl champs. Yeah. Um, all right. Anything else we want to discuss before we get out of here? Do you have a score prediction you want to do? I think I'm going to hedge my bet and say that we we drop this one. Uh, 21 to 17. And the game script follows the uh, the same one for the first two weeks, but we're on the losing end of it. Right. I hope I'm, I'm wrong. Gonna, I'm going to continue willing my optimism and say that this is the game that our offense just clicks from the beginning. Um, and then that we have that game that Jordan Love's been dreading where he is getting sacked, getting pressured, getting forced into bad threes. I think Lattimore has an interception. And I think we win 28-17. to 17. I really want to take back my prediction. I feel <laughs> I feel like I'm going to be weirdly responsible for whatever happens because Jordan Love is currently my fantasy quarterback, and I just mm. I can't, I know if I start him, then he'll be horrible, and the Saints will destroy him. I'll be happy in real life, but in fantasy, I will be sad because he'll have like negative points. But I know if I put him on the bench, he'll he'll torch us, and I'll be punished. Wow. Follow your heart. I'm going to mention. Um, <laughs> okay. We have sponsors. Finally. So, this has been Black and Gold BS, the Irreverent Saints podcast from Boot Crew Media, brought to you by AGI Specialty Valves, the pump protection <laughs> value experts. With over 35 years of experience, AGI Specialty Valves is the number one supplier of automatic recirculation valves for pump protection. Don't let preventable pump failures cost you. Contact AGI Specialty Valves at 832-485-0003 
or info at agivalves.com. Allison, don't you hate it when uh, you don't have enough pump protection and you really could use a new automatic recirculation valve? I know I do. <laughs> yeah. It's a real pain in my ass. <laughs> Black and Gold BS is also brought to you by Zapato's Family Market. <laughs> it makes a difference when the owners are there. A big difference. I tried to do that in my Yad accent. I think I got to work on good. it. I got to workshop it. I don't know. I heard somebody say Yats is sort of like people from from New Jersey or New York, but they're on Valium. All right. I've alienated enough people, including our sponsors. Please don't murder us. Until next week. Who dat? Who dat? Who dat?